Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. All right, so you are listening to the 30-something movie podcast, and this time around, we have leapt forward in time. So we are actually in 2017 right now. I hurt myself. You do, do. Well, when you leap, it does that. I will, so wait, does that I mean we're now now? I didn't stretch before I leapt. You should. I mean, before you jump into the accelerator, you have to stretch. Otherwise, like- you just keep leaping and leaping, trying to put right. Why, bitch, I can't talk, so I can't put it right. What once went wrong. All I'm saying is that this is like Terminator Genesis. I'm glad when we left, we didn't end up in the middle of the highway naked. That's all I'm saying. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it doesn't take time travel for that to happen. It doesn't. And that's why I'm saying I'm just happy that we okay. didn't end up in the middle of the highway naked. That, that's true. Does it take time travel to end up naked? That's what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I, it's the only reason I'm working out. So just in case someday time travel happens, then I'll be ready. Bottles in front of you there. I was just going to say, are you doing? Are you doing like a beer tasting during the podcast? Might as well. It's summertime, baby. <laughs> and I like your attitude about light. And and by thirty something podcast, that's where the name actually comes from. It has nothing to do with movies that are thirty years old. It's that Bo is going to drink thirty beers by the time the podcast is over. That a boy. Ooh, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> Come You're on. A lot. I, you know Nobody what? I could, but I would have to. I would have to seriously step it down. Like these are probably, you know, a little stronger than normal here. Well, I'd have to go to something domestic and simple. But you know what, Bo? I feel like that describes you too. Domestic and simple. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that one. I was going with stronger than normal, but you know, <laughs> you know I, yourself. I, 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 you know yourself better, so. Mm-hmm. If you want to be known as the domestic and simple one, you go right ahead. I don't know. I'll have to ask my wife if she's domesticated me enough to call me domestic and simple. Okay. I don't know if, I, if we want to hear your wife's answer because this is a family podcast after all. The fact that Fair you enough. said the fact Fair that enough. you said that you have to ask her answers the question. I think yeah. it does. Doesn't it? <laughs> all right. Well, we are the thirty-something podcast, and we better keep this uh, podcast rolling. So. Because otherwise, Bo will be rolling by the time we're done with all this. Um, hey, now. There you go. So this time around, we are jumping forward to 2017 and doing a movie that just came out a couple weeks ago. We're going to be talking about Wonder Woman. Um, and so very, very quickly, we just want to let you know that we are going to spoil the events of the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, we have all seen it, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, if you have not seen it yet, I would recommend waiting to listen to this podcast. Not waiting to go see the movie. Go see the movie now. Um, go see the movie two or three times. But uh, In fact, pause this. Yeah, pause. Go buy tickets. Buy us tickets, and we'll go with you. Um, there you go. But yeah, and then uh, 
come back and listen to it later. So, um, so we just, we spoil stuff. So just letting you know, right up front, spoiler alert, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. If you haven't yet, we've got a few people that have left us some reviews. We appreciate those kind of lets us know what we're doing well and, and what we can work on. So, um, if you're enjoying the show, if you're listening and enjoying, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're not subscribed to the show, if you're just listening to this through our website, uh, feel free to run on over to iTunes and subscribe to that. Or if you're not an Apple user, you can find us in the Google Play Store, and we're on a whole bunch of other different uh, podcast apps. So you'll be able to find us in there. Just search up uh, 30-something movie podcast, and we will be there. I am and joined tonight so not, far. We're not eating pizza right now, so there will be none of those noises on the recording. We're not. Yeah, we we actually had somebody. Now, oh, was I'm, that bad? Well, no, I'm I'm not going to mention I'm not going to mention a name, but we did have somebody who tweeted at us um, and criticized the fact that we were eating pizza during one of our last episodes and said, you know, I was looking forward to listening to your uh, adventures in babysitting, but then you went and ruined it by eating pizza. <laughs> Dude, was it one of our friends? No. No. It was someone we didn't know? It was somebody we didn't know. So I didn't want to make a big deal out of it because the person deleted the tweet, so I figured it was one of those times where you tweeted something. Oh, and then you- I, I never saw that. I saw the tweet when it came in, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I, I feel really bad. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't feel bad. I was like, you know, it, it's free entertainment. And I went back and I listened to it. At first I was like, oh, was it really that bad? I went back and listened to it again, and I didn't think it was that bad. Huh. But, you know, I mean, I, basically our podcast is a bunch of friends sitting around and having a conversation. If you're the person that sits in the group of your friends and is like, don't eat while we're talking, then, <laughs> you know. I mean, look, 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 if all we were doing was eating pizza, it's not like some jerk was doing his dishes. Or that's something true. Like that's that. true. Yeah. You know I, mean? I, I get more bothered when podcasts do that. When some guy is doing his dishes just because he can't stay awake. It's it's or or you know like someone like pounding on the table when he gets excited. I know. And and then you know like trying to blame his buddy or it, something like that. That you drives know? me I mean, absolutely like insane. You mean it's like doing a movie podcast and not understand anything about the technical side of it? I, look, I can't comment on that. I don't know. I don't know exactly exactly what's going on, but you could talk about it from that angle. Yes. Yeah. Well played. So, essentially... Oh, keep that drinking down over there. <laughs> you got it. So, essentially, what... Uh, what essentially, what this tweeter told us is true from a different point of view. True. Mm-hmm. A different point yeah. of view? Jeff, sometimes you're going to yeah. find that the truths that we cling to depend greatly on your own point of view. <laughs> So, oh. so I didn't, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. I'm like, you know what? Okay. I feel a little bit bad because I'm sure it was probably, yeah, I, I'm sure it was probably a little obnoxious, but I've also listened to some other podcasts where they do all kinds of other stuff like that too. And, and I'm also thinking, you know what? It, it's free. You don't have to pay to listen to the podcast. So sorry, but at the same time, not a hundred percent. Sorry. Hey guys, I you, can, you can say it, John. You can say, sorry, not sorry. I did. That's acceptable. Hey, was I the guy that was chewing too much, or was it just a group effort? Uh, it was a group effort. Well, well I was going to say, I'm sure it was me. I, I'm as you said, sure it, I'm like, oh, that's bad. Although, Bo, you've inspired me. I'm going to go grab a beer. There you go. There you, amen. Summertime. I, I have one, too. You just can't see me. Huh. All right. So, so we're going to get going here. Uh, we do have, uh, I got Bo with me. Hello. Bo, who is simple and domesticated. I, th- I think that's what we're going with. Uh, Jeff. Yeah. Did, did Jeff go? Oh, there you go. He went to go get it. 
There Podcast you go. fluid. That's what we should call it. Uh huh. <laughs> it's our recording juice. That's it. I'm back. There you go. I'm here. All right. Um, Patrick, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right. And I am your host, John Reed. And this time around, we are going to be talking, like I said, Wonder Woman. We're going to jump into that here in just a moment, um, but I did figure, I don't really have a whole lot of new movie news here, but I did figure that since this just happened a couple of days ago, we should take a moment and talk a little bit about Adam West passing well, away. Should we, should we talk about something slightly happy before we delve into the Adam West? Do you want to do that? We can do that. Go happy. Did anyone see the Black Panther trailer yet? Holy crap balls. Oh, I did. Yeah. I for, totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. That looks awesome. Tell me something. What do you know about Wakanda? It's a third world country. Textiles, shepherds, cool outfits, all the front. Explorers have searched for it. Called it El Dorado. They looked for it in South America. But it was in Africa the whole time. I'm the only one who's seen it. And made it out alive. One. That's fun. It doesn't look anything like the Wakanda that's a few miles away from where we live. <laughs> Not even a little. Yeah. <laughs> I got really confused until I looked at the spelling of it and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's not Wakanda, Illinois. Yeah, that's I can I can safely say that nothing about that movie is like Wakanda, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll be impressed if like in a sequel, Black Panther comes to Wakanda, Illinois. Like that would be outstanding. Now you're talking. Yeah. He just gets confused. That's yeah. movie executive thinking there. There you go. Well, you know, I, I could work for Warner Brothers. You, yeah. So, yeah, I, th- that trailer was fun. I, In fact, I totally missed it. it, it normally, I'm on top of these things, but I totally missed it, and I couldn't even watch it till the end of the day. And But that it was just a whole bunch of fun. Me too. I found it. Um, I found it on the reposts later that night from because I, I think Gizmodo posted one. and. Hmm. And Gadget Post to one. I know I sent one up on Facebook to everybody when I... That was later, too. I'd, now, do you think it'll do okay? Because I'm, I, I wonder at this point, will a movie do all right just because it has the Marvel label on it now? Or is this going to be two different... Now, people have seen Black Panther. 
in Civil right. War. I think that'll help. Is this going to be too different? Like a lot of people are not going to know this character, but that doesn't seem to have hurt any of their other movies. I would say Daredevil did okay. Yeah. The TV show, you mean? But that was also Ryan Reynolds, so. That was oh, Deadpool. Deadpool. Uh, sorry, that's what I meant. That's okay. You might want to lay Deadpool. off the, the, the drinks. Yeah, there. I cut off. Cut yourself off there, buddy. Yeah, I think one is good enough for you. You you are simple and domesticated. When they taught the Black Panther how to paint the fence, mm-hmm. uh, it was perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I think it looks good. I, I hope it does well. Um, what I think will be interesting is as they start to do more of these characters that are not like mainstream Marvel stuff. When they do Black Panther, when they do uh, Captain Marvel in a couple of years, stuff like that. It'll be kind of interesting to see how those do because then they're going to be getting away from the Avengers, from Spider-Man, from right. all that other stuff. Well, I, I, yeah, what if they're going to be able to uh, just kind of take some creative liberties more so than usual because they're just lesser-known characters in the Marvel comic universe. Right. Which, at the same time, I don't know. Now, there had been a cartoon for a while, and I'm I'm much more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy, so other people would know this better. I mean, at the time that Iron Man came out, he wasn't exactly, I don't know that I would call him like a top-tier character. Oh, absolutely. I, I thought that was a pretty ambitious choice when it came out. Yeah. Um, of all the characters to start with, I thought it was very interesting that they chose someone that was more of a B character. Mm-hmm. That's almost, like, that's almost like DC saying, like, you know, we're not going to start with Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman. Let's start with Martian Manhunter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that'd be cool, too. That would be cool. I would love to see a Martian Manhunter movie. I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. I thought his character's been okay in Supergirl, but I, I'd, I'd be fine with a... They decided to do a movie and start fresh. All right, well... So should we delve for a few minutes into the, into the sad stuff? Yeah. All right. Let's get it over with. Um, so Adam West passed away on June 9th at the age of 88. Uh, according to the release from his family, he had... Um, a short battle with leukemia. I don't know that it was. Was that public knowledge that he had leukemia? I don't. I didn't know. I didn't so. Okay, I don't remember hearing anything about it. I know that a couple times here and there, the last few years, he had had to cancel some things. I think because of health reasons, but I don't know that this was related. Um, that any of those were related to this necessarily. I mean, you're when you get up to 88 years old, you're going to cancel some stuff on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, I, I know at least one of you, Jeff, I think it was you, um, went and rewatched the 66 movie. I did. Did you? Uh, we just watched that last year and with the kids for the first time. And they Shark repellent it. and everything? Oh, yeah. No, I, I remember watching that. We had that taped on, we had that on VHS, uh, taped off of one of the TV channels. It was on one of the channels at one point so we recorded it and just used to watch that over and over and over again and I forgot how much fun even though it's so campy I forgot how much fun that movie is it's it's extra campy I think like it, it makes the TV series look a little bit more mainstream mm-hmm. it's just that much more campiness contained in an hour and what is an hour and 45 minutes of 
Mm-hmm. And, and I forgot, well, I forgot to look and see when the movie came out with in, in comparison to the TV series. Cause I know that season two of the TV series, the first season of the 66 Batman TV show, um, it was a little less, I mean, it was, it was kind of campy and fun, but I guess it kind of took a turn for the ridiculous starting in the second season. Well, so. I, I believe the movie came out after the first season. Okay. So that might've been part of it. A lot of those kind of blend together for me, the, all the different episodes from that old TV show. Do you have a favorite episode of the Adam West Batman? Anything with him and the Joker. Yeah. Him and C- um, Cesar okay. Romero. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, actually, that's that's mine. Is the I think it's the first time Joker appears in the TV series. I think it was either the very first few episodes, maybe like season or episode, um, maybe episode four or five um, of the first season. Um, the episodes were called "The Joker's Wild" because they always did them in in two parters. I think there were a couple of three parters here mm-hmm. and there, but they always did them in two parters. One was called it was called "The Joker's Wild," and then the follow up episode was called "Batman's Wild." It was the first time the Joker showed up in the TV show, and I I, I vividly remember because I always thought it was it was crazy and hilarious. I think the first scene is they're playing baseball in the prison yard, and uh, the Joker has the umpire switch out a ball for an exploding ball. And he's the pitcher. Joker's the pitcher. And so he throws the ball towards the batter. Batter hits the ball. It explodes. And that gives enough of a distraction so that Joker can catapult himself using a spring that he installed under the pitcher's mound to catapult himself over the prison walls and escape. <laughs> and that I, the rest of that episode, that whole episode, is the first time you see the Joker. And he's trying to unmask Batman and Robin. Um and another cool thing from that one that I didn't realize again until I rewatched it is there's a part in that episode where the Joker has a mask on. He's wearing a clown mask to cover up his real clown face. And I think it's almost the exact same mask that Heath Ledger wears at the beginning of The Dark Knight. Really? Just before he gets, I think it's just before he's getting on the bus or or gets off the bus. I mean, I, it's been a little while since I've seen that one, but that that mask that he's wearing at the very beginning, I think it's the same one that uh, Cesar Romero's wearing in that episode of the, of the Batman show. That's probably my favorite one though. Always the, the Joker and Batman stuff. I think for me, I, I, I don't know if I can pick an episode mostly because I think that they're, they all just sort of blend together. Yeah. So for that sake, I would say the, the movie is what stands out to me. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Yeah. All the shows, I, I'm just echoing what you guys said, all the shows, I just remember watching it every week or however often it came on, the reruns, you know, a couple, couple times a week, and just, you know, just loving watching them. And each one was exciting. I love how there were all the different, you know, all the different bad guys and stuff like that. Um, I won't lie, Catwoman was definitely easy on the eyes. I'm mm-hmm. just going to say oh, that. Or Eartha Kitt, right? Or Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar. Well, yeah. Yeah. Certainly not unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the Batman had a total of three or four different uh, women that played. Yeah. That woman. The, the, uh, the Batmobile was pretty cool, too. I like that Batmobile. I will say that's it probably really one, of my, that's one of my favorite Batmobiles. I used to have a Hot Wheel of that Batmobile as a kid, and it was one of my favorite toys. Yeah. That one was pretty cool. Um, yeah. It's fun stuff. So, and I will admit, I, I probably have not really watched, I don't know what else 
if I were to, if somebody were to ask me what else has Adam West been in other than Batman, other than that and Family Guy, I don't know that I can tell you too many other things that he's been in. So I, I really can't, really can't go any further into like his, you know, his professional life and, and everything that he did. But I mean, I think those two things in particular left a, a pretty lasting impression. So, yeah, I mean, he's got on IMDb, he's got 193 acting credits. Really? Yeah. He does so much. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of voice work. He He's hysterical. Yeah. Um, there's a whole thing of him. Um, is it poetry? Oh, see, I saw it on Facebook this morning. I had never seen it. There's like this whole set of poetry or little songs that he does and they're hysterical. Is it like on along the same lines as uh, William Shatner doing his singing? Yeah, it's a little spoken wordy, but okay. you know, these are actually funny and decent. <laughs> as opposed to most of Shatner's stuff, which is, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, he did do a lot of, and I, I think I was reading somewhere that he really, he really had a hard time finding acting gigs after the Batman show because you know, everybody just thinks of him as Batman. Um, and so I think that's, I think you're right. I think he ended up going into a lot of voiceover stuff because I'm looking on his IMDb page and a lot of what I see is cartoons, mm-hmm. you know, little bit parts and cartoons and yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a, I have, uh, somebody that I listened to one of their, some of their other podcasts that they do. He, uh, he's a reporter from Mississippi and he was at, he was telling the day that everybody found out that Adam West had passed away. He was telling about a time that he was at San Diego comic-con and he said, uh, he said, I was at comic-con and all of a sudden, um, somebody taps me on the shoulder and it's a guy, I think he's wearing like a baseball cap and aviator glasses. And, uh, and he says, excuse me, can you, can you tell me where the bathroom is? And he know he like he recognizes his voice right away. It's Adam West, and he turns around and he's like, "You're Adam West," and and he's like, "Shh, the Caped Crusader <laughs> has to take a leak." <laughs> and so he said, I, "I I showed him to the bathroom, and and like as he walked away, he, he he like patted me on the back, and he said, "Thank you, citizen." And he said, "I actually saw him later in the day at another panel thing. I happened to walk by, and he spotted me, and he just waved, and he's like, thanks again, citizen.'" <laughs> And I was like, you know what? Even if that story is not true, that's awesome, and it sounds like him. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. He's definitely a little off his nut. Oh yeah, he he showed up one time. I guess the bats didn't show up, but he showed up when my sister lived in Austin. Um, they've got the, the I think it's the Congress Street Bridge, where there's just these thousands upon thousands of bats that uh, live underneath it, and they're supposed to at. at dusk every night the bats just come flying out of there and you can look it up on youtube and see all these videos of it well i guess there was some event or some anniversary thing and they had adam west they had batman come out and he was going to give a speech and they were going to wait for the bats to all come out and apparently because there were so many people that came out to this event and there were so many people on the bridge the vibrations threw off the bats and so the bats kept sleeping and they never came out (laughs) oh so adam west was just like well at least I'm here. <laughs> That's funny. So, so Adam West, we will definitely miss you. I'm going to go back yeah. and rewatch a whole bunch of, I, I guess most of the old uh, Batman TV series is on YouTube. So 
if anybody wants to go rewatch any of those episodes, it's all on YouTube. Um, if Nick at Night still exists, it was on Nick at Night one of the last times. Yeah. One of the last times I was looking for it, or, or one of those other channels that shows all the vintage TV shows. But yeah. It's, it's good stuff. It is. You know what? It's just, it was a really, it was a really well done show. I mean, it, it, it was, sure, it was campy, it was this, it was that, it was the other thing. But I mean, it was a really well done show. I mean, the, the, you kept coming back, you kept wanting to see more. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what, it was 50, 50 years ago? Yeah. 50 years ago, and we're still talking about it, you yeah. know? And I would still put that show on to show my kids, and I'm sure they would be entertained by it. So, oh, yeah. I mean, they, it's, my kids watched it for the first time about a year ago, maybe a couple of years ago, and they loved it. They just wanted to keep watching. Yeah. When it would roll on into the next episode, they're just like, can we keep watching? Sure, why not? Yeah. It was it was camping, but it knew it was camping, and so it was that self awareness meant that it didn't matter. It's a, it's a little yeah. bit like our next week's movie, Evil Dead Two. Yes, campy, but it knows it can't. It knows it's campy. I, uh, you'll have to explain that connection to me next week, but I'll I, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's more Pat. It's more the uh, the self awareness of what it is. That's the connection. Exactly. The Batman series was very self-aware of what it was. Yeah. Evil Dead 2 is very self-aware of what it is. So okay. both things get away with a lot more because they're so aware. Got it. All right. Well, shall we move on into Wonder Woman? I would like to move on. phrase that, John. Yes, we can. No, we no, I'm, not no, I'm not going to. I, you know what? I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. <laughs> okay. Well, this time around, we are talking about Wonder Woman. Came out on June second, twenty seventeen. Was rated PG thirteen. Had a running time of two hours and twenty one minutes. Directed by Patty Jenkins, who did Monster and uh, some TV episodes for The Killing and Entourage. Producers on this one, there were a ton of producers, so I just picked the top four. Uh, Charles Roven, who did Twelve Monkeys, Fallen, Three. Ki- oh man, you want to watch a creepy movie? Have you ever seen Fallen? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, you cannot listen to uh, Time is on My Side without thinking of that movie now. Oh, that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. What's in that? Who's in that movie? Uh, Denzel Washington, John Goodman. Uh, I think Donald Sutherland is in it. Time uh, is, is on my side. side. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know man. what, Pat? I have it on DVD. It's kind of a scary movie, so I don't know if you're going to want to see it, but... Yeah, I don't know. If you're interested enough, I have it on DVD, so I'll let you borrow it. All right. Okay. 
It's oh, really, it's it's so really good. good. It's a really good movie. Um, so he did Twelve Monkeys, also a really good movie. Uh, Fallen, Three Kings, the Scooby Doo movies, and he was also a producer on the Christopher Nolan Batman series. Zack Snyder uh, has done Sucker Punch, Suicide Squad, and will be doing as a producer the upcoming Gotham City Sirens, Aquaman, Flash, pretty much everything in the DCEU. Deborah Snyder, his wife, um, has done producing for 300 Watchmen and all the DCEU movies. Uh, Richard Suckle has also done Fallen, the Scooby Doo movies, American Hustle, and Suicide Squad. That's Writers the for the best name ever. It was best last name ever is that what you said? Best whole name ever. Oh, best whole name. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, man, that's I, awesome. I didn't even put two and two together there. Okay. Moving on. Uh, writers for this one, uh, Alan Heinberg did the story and screenplay. He also did Party of Five, Sex and the City, Gilmore Girls, and Grey's Anatomy. Zack Snyder did the story. He also did 300, Sucker Punch, and Justice League. Uh, Jason Fuchs did the story. He did Ice Age, uh, Continental Drift, Pan, and the upcoming Minecraft, the movie, which any person under the age of 10 is really excited about. Um, and then William Moulton Marston uh, created Wonder Woman. He died in 1947, but he was the creator of Wonder Woman. And I don't know that he had any other movie-ish credits to his name. Uh, music was done by Rupert Gregson Williams, who also did the music for Hotel Rwanda, Hacksaw Ridge, and the TV, the Netflix series, The Crown. Budget on this one was $149 million. Box office was $435.2 million up to this point. <laughs> and it's only been out about a week. Um, okay, so I looked this up because I think... I think I, and I think some of us have been saying this wrong. Um, it's not Gal Gadot. It's Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Gadot? Gadot. I thought it was Gadot. Yeah, I looked up a video where she says it. And well, she, she says she it's know. Gal Gadot. She says the O is pronounced like, like boat, but with a D. So she says Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. So. Hey, Cool. There you go. We learned something. So you know what? It's been a great podcast. We'll see everybody later. If a man wants to be called Muhammad Ali. <laughs> there you go. If Wonder Woman wants to be called Gal Gadot, then she can be called whatever she wants. Um, she, plays, she, she plays Diana, uh, and I am going to refer to her as Diana because apparently, and I didn't even realize this the first time around, nobody ever calls her Wonder Woman in the entire movie. No, so they don't. I kind of wanted She's just Diana. That. Um. A little bit like Superman, where they waited until the very end to call him Superman. Mm -hmm. uh, she was in Fast and the Furious 4 through 7. She was in Date Night. She was in Batman v Superman. She will be in the upcoming Justice League movie. Chris Pine played Steve Trevor. He's in the Star Trek movies, Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit, and Into the Woods. Connie Nielsen played Hippolyta. She was in Gladiator, The Devil's Advocate, and One Hour Photo. Robin Wright was Antio... Um, I always mess up the name. Antiope. Antiope. Thank you. She was in The Princess Bride, Forrest Gump, and House of Cards. Danny Houston was Ludendorff. He was in The Aviator, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and Children of Men. David Thewlis played Sir Patrick. He was in Dragonheart, Seven Years in Tibet, The Big Lebowski, and the Harry Potter movies. Syed Tagmaui. I butchered that one. We're going to go with it. Uh, he was Samir. He was in Three Kings and American Hustle. Ewan Bremner was Charlie. He was in Train Spotting, Snatch, Black Hawk Down, and Pearl Harbor. Eugene Braverock was the Chief. He was in The Revenant and Hell on Wheels. Lucy Davis played Etta Candy. She was in the British version of The Office and Shaun of the Dead. Elena Anaya played Dr. Maru. 
Uh, she was in Van Helsing, The Skin I Live In, and Talk to Her. And Lily Aspel played young Diana, age eight, and she is, the only other thing I could find for her was in the upcoming uh, Holmes and Watson movie, uh, where Sherlock Holmes is going to be played by Will Ferrell. Oh, so, they do that. So I'm going to take a wild Wait, guess what? and say that's a comedy. Or it will attempt to be a comedy. Sounds more like oh. a train wreck. Uh-huh. Boy, that sounds Could be. like a disaster, exactly. Could be. Wait, did you say Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. That just caught up. They're already in the middle of, like... Is, is Robert Downey Jr. not doing any more Sherlock Holmes movies? Oh, no, he is. This is just going to be a totally different I thing. I we're still talking about one. Oh, yeah. I think there's going to be one more. Okay. This is just going to be its own comedic take. Right. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The critics have given this one a 93%. The audience has given it a 92% uh, when you collect all those reviews together. Uh, some of the critics, I'll read off. I picked out three of them. Uh, some of the critics have said this is Christopher Orr from The Atlantic. He said, the final big action sequence, as now seems always to be the case, is a messy and overwrought CGI extravaganza, but at least the movie that precedes it involves actual characters, likable ones even, exhibiting recognizable human emotions. Ty Burr of the Boston Globe said, your daughters should love it, and so should your sons. Carrie Darling of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram said, Wonder Woman falls victim to over-reliance on computer graphics, and it's too long but that's counterbalanced by a story grounded in real emotions and characters who inhabit a three-dimensional world, albeit a comic book-inspired fantastical one. CinemaScore gave it an A. There are no awards yet because it just came out, but it already has the record for being the highest-grossing World War I-related movie ever. And a very quick summary. Before she was Wonder Woman, she was Diana, Princess of the Amazons, trained to be an unconquerable warrior. Raised on a sheltered island paradise, Diana meets an American pilot who tells her about the massive conflict that's raging in the outside world. Convinced she can stop the threat, Diana leaves her home for the first time. Fighting alongside men in a war to end all wars, she finally discovers her full powers and true destiny. Diana. Fighting does not make you a hero. What if I promise to be careful? Just a shield then. Diana. No sharp edges. Be careful of mankind, Diana. They do not deserve you. You've told me this story. What is this place? Who are you people? We are the bridge to a greater understanding. Right. What is your mission? Well, here's the thing. You are in more danger than you think. The boys in the trenches called her Dr. Poison. Millions would die. The war would never end. I'm going, Mother. If you choose to leave, you may never return. Who will I be if I stay? We'll come when you To the war. Well, technically the war is that way, but we got to go this way first. How can a woman fight in this? Who is this young woman? She's my, um... And, um... Diana, Princess of the Prince, Diana Prince. 
you believe that this war should stop, help me stop it right now. What are you? You will soon find out. PG-13. Experience it in IMAX 3D June 2nd. So Gal Gadot was part of some reshoots for the movie, uh, including some stunt stuff. Um, and at the time, she was five months pregnant. So apparently her stomach was very visible. So the crew created a costume that had a green screen around her belly, and they removed it during post-production. Mm. Did not realize that. Which is both crazy, awesome, and crazy, crazy all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Patty Jenkins was originally in talks with Warner Brothers to direct this film back in 2005, um, but she actually ended up becoming pregnant at the time and had to step down from it. Uh, she did claim that Wonder Woman is the film she's been wanting to do her entire life and that she's very, very happy that she got a chance to do it. A um, couple other things here. In the comics, Steve Trevor and Diana meet in the Second World War. Um, but in the movie, they meet in the First World War, and they decided that the creators of the movie decided to change the World Wars because they thought that World War I being the first time that the world really had a massive conflict like this would be a better story point than waiting for something like World War II. Uh, both Gal Gadot and Connie Nielsen uh, were up for roles in Man of Steel in 2013. Uh, Gal Gadot was going to be Feora, one of the Kryptonian soldiers. Uh, the film, this film is Patty Jenkins first feature film she's directed since 2003. So, and, and kudos to her cause she died in my job. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of my other favorite things that I totally, absolutely thought of this when I saw it in the theater, um, the scene where Diana saves Steve from a bullet in the London alleyway was a direct homage from the first Superman film where Clark saves Lois from a bullet in an alleyway in Metropolis. Cool. I thought that scene was great. I loved it. All right, so we all saw it. I'm, I'm not going to ask about first time you saw it because this is a brand new movie. Um, so, what did you uh, w- what did you like about this one? I think we all I think we all agreed that we liked it. I don't know that there's anybody any one of us decided they didn't like it. You the no, I think I think it was. Uh, I think we all liked it. I I know I certainly liked it. I thought it was the so far, the and this is where we disagree. And I think it's the best effort in the DCEU at this point. I think it. it oh, I would agree. It leaps and bounds towards the right direction for what they need to do with their movie franchise. And uh, you know, there, there's still things that could be fixed within the franchise, but creatively, um, this was a, a big step in the right direction for their movies. Yeah. I, um, John, I know you disagree. No, Pat, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh no, I, well, I don't want to, did you want to say a, a counterpoint to that, John, about the DCEU movie thing? Or? Oh, no, 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 I'll get, I'll get to that. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, okay, you just save it up there. Yeah. Um, well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a fantastic movie. 
and you know, I, I think, okay, you know, the critics you mentioned, they got to do the critic thing and they got to talk about the CGI and they got to talk about the this and the that and the other thing. But I almost think that the stuff that they complained about is what made this such a great summer blockbuster movie. And I think that maybe not just the stuff they complained about, but they were right. They were three-dimensional characters. And the guy said, you know, within the world of a comic book. But that was the point of the movie, is that it was supposed to be a comic book movie. And the thing we keep talking about is every single time DC tries to do it, they fall short or they go wrong somewhere or they try to overreach or they try to make it too dark or they try to make it too this. And I think I remember even saying on some of the earlier podcasts, it might be easier said than done, but all you got to do is just tell a great story have there be some action, have the, you know, great characters and, and so on and so forth. And you're going to have a movie that people will enjoy. And it's like, that's why Marvel's just knocking it out of the park with one movie after another. And I think they did that with this movie. And I think it was just, the acting was way, was excellent. The story was excellent. The set, the scenes, the, the, the sets were awesome. And sure, there was some of the CGI and all that at the end, but it was like, you can't fault them for that because if they try to take that out and do something different, then I don't think you would you would you wouldn't have an an, an excellent an excellent movie. You, you know what I'm saying? An excellent comic book movie, I should say. I don't think he was saying though, like they should take out the CGI. I think I think his point, the reviewer's point, was um, it gets it, it, it. DC has a way of going over the top mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. compare compare the airport battle in civil war with the battles so far we've seen in batman versus superman and this one and it's a lot of cgi yeah. whereas it seems okay. like the marvel now, stuff that yeah, i was going to say you know yeah. that first reviewer that you that first review that you read i tend to agree with him yeah Def- definitely not in the same salty tone that he seemed to uh suggest in his words mm-hmm. but i can see that like you know the the, the CGI stuff, little over the top as uh, per usual, not as much as uh, has been in other movies. So th- again, that was a, a good uh, step in the right direction. But I also agree, finally, DC gave us a movie that, ha- that had characters that we care about. Yeah. That was my big takeaways. I actually, I, from beginning to end, I cared about all of these characters. Right, I think a lot of people were sad that Steve died. Yep. You know, they weren't two-dimensional characters from the page of a comic book. It actually gave the characters some depth to the point where they were, you know, relatable. They they, they all had that human condition of, you know, struggling in life and trying to figure out the best, you know, what, what's the best way to get through life is what gets thrown at you. Yeah. Can I ask it? It's more of a classification question. So we talk about the CGI. It sounds like that took some people out and they thought it was too much. Does the CGI include when, when people talk about the CGI taking them out of it, does that include the slow motion shots or does the average person not categorize that as CGI? 
and looks at it as something different. Well, that that's the one complaint I've heard yeah. is the slow motion shot. That's my complaint. Yeah, okay. that, that was one of my but very you, few complaints about this movie was I, I'm fine with some of the, and I, I did feel like I remember watching it in the theater at the very end battle and thinking, wow, this is a lot of stuff going on on the screen all at once. This is a lot of, lot of CGI. And I, I was almost getting a little overwhelmed by it. I, I was, I'm still fine with it. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I would maybe say tone it down a little bit, but what really took me out and I, that Jeff, you and I, I think we're talking about this earlier too, was the, that all the slow motion stuff, like all the slow motion breaks in the action. Every time you want to see a cool move in a fight scene, it's, you know, everybody's, it's almost like everybody's trying to emulate the, the matrix bullet time stuff. And I'm just like, okay, you know what, when it happens, maybe like once every 20 minutes in a movie, I'm okay with it. When it happens, five times in one minute, then that's too much. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't bump on that at all in this movie. I thought the yeah. slow motion. I didn't until someone mentioned it to me. And then I was like, well, maybe. Yeah. I didn't, but I just sort of felt like me personally, I didn't feel like it was a problem, but then someone mentioned it to me and I started to think about it. And I'm like, well, am I just too forgiving because I, and I and I loved and I loved the fight scenes and I loved the action sequences. But I, I remember sitting there in the theater at the time, so it wasn't something I thought of after the fact. I remember sitting there thinking, "Okay, I, I really enjoy this. I really like what's going on. This fight scene would still be as awesome if we didn't have all the slow motion stuff." And I probably like the fact that I'm thinking about it. It's taken me out of it a little bit right now. So, okay. so could you classify this as maybe uh, a learning curve? Because if so if, if you think about fight scenes from action movies over the last 15 to 20 years, what well, do you I, have? I feel like you a lot of them are doing Fast that. action, a lot of cuts, a lot of weird angles. And really, you don't get to watch the fight scene because mm-hmm. the camera never sits in one place long enough to see a fight play out. So now what they do here, they slow it down. So you really get to see a lot of the elements of the fight. But maybe that was the wrong choice. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. Maybe it's not so much you need to slow down the action to be able to see it, but instead, just leave the camera where it's at in a a wider view of the fight, and let the characters do what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it seems to be a stylistic difference between. And I, I don't want to break it down to a, a DC Marvel thing, but I do feel like, and, and again, I'm I'm much more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan. But I watch the Marvel movies, and I can't think of a time that I've ever watched any of those fight sequences, and I and I was taken out of the movie. Whereas in the DC well, movies, usually a direct. Isn't that slow motion choice usually a director choice? Yeah. Yeah. Is Zack Snyder known for doing that? I'm not really good with. I mean, he did that. He did that a lot in 300 fact. and Watchmen, and yeah. Guy Ritchie's known for doing it's, that. Yeah, it's a big Guy Ritchie thing too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie, oh. yeah. Michael Michael Bay, yes. Mm-hmm. Between that and like J.J. Abrams has his lens flare. I mean, they all have right. But Zack Snyder, the movies you just mentioned, yeah, it's it's his thing. Yeah. So the question is, I know he's not directing all the rest of the DCEU, but he is involved. Right. I wonder. Yeah. Be interesting to see if it carries over. Or if they tone it down when he's not directing, or... Right. So with that in mind, think ahead to Justice League, where Zack right. 
Zack Snyder directed most of Justice League, but right. recently had to step down. And Joss Whedon has come in to, A, finish directing Justice League, and B, they're starting, I, I was reading, they're starting to do a massive amount of reshoots for Justice League. I'm assuming that's going to be under the eye of Joss Whedon. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we're going to see maybe conflicting styles within the Justice League movie because of this. Yeah. I, and that, that's got me a little worried about that one. I mean, when I, every time I see that trailer, I think this looks like a really fun movie. I can't wait for this. Um, but then when I think about that, when I think about you've got two different directors on this movie, they're doing a whole bunch of reshoots. And if this has been the trend where you're going to have these action sequences like this, I, yeah, it's got me a little concerned. Well, and some of that, let's be honest, has to do with choices in the editing bay. I mean, the slow motion choices done, these movies are all shot with a camera that will allow them to do that slow motion scene, whether they plan for it or not. So in the end, I don't know how much of it is, I guess that's what I was getting at earlier. How much of it is a director's style? How much of it is an editor's style? How much of it is, there's a lot of permutations when, when you get to the point that we're at now with these, these 5K red cameras that can shoot at such an amazing shutter speed. Those decisions could be made three months after you shot the scene. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, and I think this is a lot of it again, I guess I think I'm answering my own question by saying it does have a lot to do with the director because it really has a lot to do with how much the director lets the editor make choices. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Not, you've made me even more intrigued as he just is league now. Not that I wasn't before, but now. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see if there's a way that you can determine this was a Zack Snyder scene, this was a Joss Whedon scene. Or, mm-hmm. I, my, other take, my other thought on that is Joss Whedon seems to be cognizant enough to be aware of that and may try to find a way to lend his scenes a little bit more to what Zack Snyder has already done. Well, yeah, and we don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know if they have any sort of working relationship where, like... Very true. How many notes did he leave? Right. How many phone calls are happening? You know, hey, we're going to reshoot this. You want to give me a little insight as to what you did the first time? Mm-hmm. Might help me out. We, we just don't know. Yeah. So, so other than the fight sequences... Um, is there anything else that you felt like this movie maybe was there was a misstep? I mean, it seems like it seems like most of our comments are this movie is getting right what the other DC movies have not. Um, you know, with characters that we care about. Jeff, you were saying like you care about these characters from start yeah. to finish, that they feel more developed than in a lot mm-hmm. of the other movies. Um, so it, it it sounds like we're all saying that it got a lot of stuff right that we were missing from the others. Is there anything that it still got wrong? And I, and I don't know we've been talking about the, the fight scenes. Is there anything else? I'm not a huge comic book guy, so I'm not as rooted in some of the, why did they decide to push this back to world war one instead of keeping it in a world war two mentality? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really phase me because I don't know the history well enough to know that it's wrong. But I know history well enough to know some of the weird inconsistencies in what they showed on screen. 
and I feel like a lot of the choices they made would have been great in World War II. They should have just left it there. It doesn't really bother me that they made the switch, but it was like, you, like they moved the story, but not the set. Oh, there's just a lot of weird, like, yeah. and I know this is, this is me kind of nitpicky, but there is a lot of weird things going on on screen that wouldn't have happened in 1918. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of weird things that didn't make sense that would have been fine in World War II. So they transplanted the story because they felt the theme fit better, but they didn't take another step back and transplant, transplant the setting as well. Like a lot of the no man's land stuff was a little sketchy for that time of the war. And part of that is me being a weird history buff. Like some mm. of it's like, Ooh, Ooh. No, no man's land stuff was, was pretty prominent in world war one. Not as late as they wanted it to be in the war though. They were trying to push it way towards the end and that doesn't work. And I know, believe me, I'm, I'm nitpicking on some of this, but it was because they made the choice to move the time frame. I think they opened up to a lot of that. Well, that wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. in you're in, and you're not the first person to point this out. There were, I saw a couple of other people online when I was looking at some different like message boards and, and on Twitter and a couple other places, there were some people that were doing, they were the exact same criticism. They said, you know what? I love the rest of the movie. There are just some things, you know, being a history nerd, there are some things that just don't quite fit. And people were jumping all over them. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, I mean, I mean, they're not bashing the movie. They're just saying it took me out of a little bit because I know history really well. And, um, so I kind of want you're not the first person to and, say that. Well, and they, they made a conscious choice to move the time period. And if you're going to do that, that's fine. But you know, come on, make the choice <laughs> and follow it through to the end. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think that was sort of my thing, but other like, as I said, I'm nitpicking on this one. I'm yeah. the first to admit that yeah, yeah. it was awesome. One of, one of the scenes that I thought went on a little too long was when they, uh, when Diana and Steve first escaped the island. Yeah. And they, were, they were in the boat together, and I was like, well, you know, I, was, I didn't want to presume I could sleep next to you. I don't care if you sleep next to me. And then they go on to have this conversation skirting around the idea of sex mm -hmm. and I just felt like the conversation went on a little bit too long it started to get very uncomfortable like at first it was kind of funny but then it just it, it kept going and I was like let's let, let's get past this because it's really starting to to slow things down mm -hmm. right and, and not again not to be like the total history guy but he makes a comment in that scene when they talk about marriage is forever till death do you part. And she makes some comment and he says, well, not most of the time. Something tells me in 1918 divorce rates wouldn't weren't as high as. Right. Yeah. It was just one of those weird little offhanded comments that I'm like, really? Yeah. Huh. Right. A couple little, little anachronisms here and there. Yeah. So yeah, it was just odd. They were, it, it felt like they were trying to make a commentary on something mm -hmm. and, Failing, maybe that's the word so, I'm know, that, that whole scene, just like I said, that, that whole scene just sort of went on a little bit too long and it, it lost its humor as it went on. Yeah. And it just started to get uncomfortable because the characters were starting to show that they were really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I was like, okay, let's let's get past this. But then I it, throughout the movie, Diana seemed to show a varied sense of understanding of the civilized world. Yeah. Like some things she seemed to have a really good grasp on without any understanding as to why she would know it. And other things she seemed to be completely clueless, complete fish out of water. But I thought that inconsistency kind of, uh, you know, kind of took, took me out of the movie a little bit when, when something like that would happen. Like, wait, why does she not know this? Or why did she know that? How would she have that understanding? Right. Um, but like both, these are very minor nitpicky things. The and movie in and of itself worked incredibly well. Oh, absolutely. I'd say one of my biggest fears about this movie is that it was going to go the way that the Supergirl TV show went. Mm-hmm. And they were going to go over the top with the feminism. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and everything that is going to be said or shown is going to indicate somehow that women are just as powerful as men. And I'm really glad that they didn't go that way. Because again, like with Supergirl, by nature of the character, you have a very strong, powerful female lead. You don't need to take the rest of your story and find ways to keep showing that women are just as capable as men. Yeah, just, just itself, do it. The, the story will show that in and of itself. Yeah. So I'm really glad that they didn't try to um, go that route. Like, you know, making the, the main villain a, a female character. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that was going to be my worry, is that the main villain was going to be a female character. And just like, of course, it's going to be a female character because we need to be very pro-woman in, in, in our society of, of these new movies. But I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad that they let the character of Wonder Woman have the strength and power that she did without having to bash us over the head with the fact that this is a woman. You know, comments weren't made about it. You know, character, other characters in the story are like, what, we're going to follow a female? That's right. craziness. Right. They just let the character do what it had to do and let the story unfold as it needed to. Right. Had nothing to do with her being a female. It's like, oh, she can block bullets with her bracelet things? Okay, let's follow her. Yeah. Like, she seems like she could help us out. So, <clears throat> yeah. regardless of gender, she's the right person for the job. Yeah. Well, I liked how, like you were saying, I liked how instead of bashing you over the head with, um, you know, all the, you know, yay, you know, yay women stuff and, and oh, you know, not going to, yeah, like you said, it's a, we're not going to follow a woman. Instead of bashing you over the head with that, it was the criticism that people had were, oh, this is going to be a, a overly feminist movie. It wasn't. It was a, you know, any of those little comments where she didn't quite get something. It wasn't because of a man-woman thing. It was just like a fish-out-of-water story. Yeah. Um, you know, which I thought was really well done, that you could tell a good story without, um, you know, without bashing somebody over the head with whatever other kind of message you want to, you want to throw in there. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, my criticism about her lack of knowledge with some things wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't trying to say that it's because she was a woman in a, right. in a quote unquote man's world. 
it was just a, uh, you know, you're, you're either a fish out of water or you're not, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you can't really play both sides of that. Yeah. You need to just stick with the fact that, you know, she spent all of her time on this Island, presumably not knowing about this other society, right? this other civilization. There are moments when, yeah, it would make sense to question these things. And there are other moments when you're looking at it going, why would she know how to do that? Or why would she mm-hmm. understand that concept without questioning it? Right. So um, that was, that's my, that was my point there. Yeah. I, I will say that, um, I was, I was very proud of my wife because we were, we were sitting here watching this movie and you had mentioned the scene where they have escaped from the Island mm-hmm. and they go down to the dock and they're going to get on that boat. And, <laughs> and, uh, Sharon leaned over next to me and she's like, why are they taking the boat? Her plane is probably parked right next to it. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm that is outstanding. I'm, I'm so proud. Like this is one of the greatest days of my life. Um, you know, I will, I will say some of the, one of my favorite things about going to see this movie, and this is why I will always recommend going to see a movie in the theater during the first week that it's out is just being able to be in the theater when people applaud. Um, you know, we were in a show where the first time in the no man's land scene, the first time she walks up that ladder, um, and she's got her full wonder woman outfit on people just burst into applause. And then you get to the end of the movie and people, you know, the credits come up and people are applauding and people are cheering. And I I love, that's one of the reasons I will always enjoy going to the movie theater versus seeing a movie at home is you just, you don't get that experience. You know, I can sit up and applaud at home, but then people just look at me weird. Yeah. So I, that was a lot of fun being in the movie theater. Um, you know, just surrounded by other people. It has nothing to do with the applause. I know that's true. So do we have, uh, so Pat, you've been kind of quiet. So I want to ask you about the motorcycle chases. Well, right. Yeah. So the motorcycle scene was cool. And I got to be honest with you, fellas. I, uh, you know, contrary to past practice, I have not dozed off. I'm sitting here wide awake. I believe you, but it's just been, it's just been really interesting hearing all the the, the points that, uh, that you guys, uh, uh, came up with and all the uh, different viewpoints and all that. So I really think you guys, uh, kind of hit it all. From every different angle. So, I mean, I've been, uh, it's, I've been kind of, uh, listening. I've been, uh, phoning this one in. I've just been kind of listening on this one. All right, that's fine. That means you don't have to listen to it later. So, yeah, there you go. It saves the time. So, so do you, yeah, the do you have scene a, was pretty cool. Do you have a favorite I mean, scene? Was, what was that? I'm sorry. Do you have a favorite scene? Well, it was fun seeing the motorcycle. I mean, you know, all the, all the big ones. I mean, you know, watching her climb up and charge across the no man's land was pretty sweet. Um, I liked all the, I liked all the, uh, uh, training sequences on, um, when they were on the Island, you know, um, I thought, uh, when, when the guys like, uh, uh, were coming in and chasing him, you know, when, uh, uh, when Captain Kirk stole the plane and flew it away and they were being chased by that ship and everything. Um, I thought it was pretty cool when, when all the, uh, Amazons came charging down from the mountain on the horses and that. And then I think that was pretty badass, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was pretty tough. And then I, the part I dug was when uh, I think it was the aunt. Um, you know what was her name? Antiope. Uh, Antiope. Yeah, and uh, Entropy or whatever the heck her name was. Uh-huh. But I thought it was pretty cool. Was she the one that like went running off the mountain and dove like did like a spread eagle dive? 
like shooting arrows as she was coming down, or maybe it was someone. I don't know. Whatever. Well, they had, that was pretty they, sick. They had. They shot the arrow. They shot the arrows into the side of the cliff, and then they had ropes that would like swing them down. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. She did that. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought that was a pretty awesome scene. She was the one. She was the one that called for the shield trick, right? Yeah. She yeah. Jumped up on the shield, spun around, and just unleashed arrows. That was awesome. Too. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I thought that ended up being a great recall in the movie too. Later on, when yeah, it did shield. Yep. And just the two, yeah. what it meant, and the others just had to follow. Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was pretty sick. Um. I'm trying to think, man. I'm just giving the laundry list, but there was just, it was like one awesome scene after another. I thought, uh, yeah, her charging through the no man's land was pretty cool. I mean, you know, that, that end sequence where she's kind of trying to fight Ares and, and, uh, Chris Pine goes up to, to blow up the plane. I really thought Chris Pine did a great job. I, re- I like him in movies anyway, so I'm biased, yeah. but I thought he did a great job in this thing. Um, and then also, I got to be honest, when uh, when they get off the island, the, the two of them adventuring together, you know, I was almost reminded of uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins. <laughs> because it was like, you know, like he, Danny, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe he wasn't, you know, like totally street smart, but he had all the training. And that was kind of like her, you know, like maybe she wasn't, okay, sure. you don't call the babies, you don't do this, okay, why are these guys following? She didn't really notice. But then, um, you know, remember how in Twins he was always like, you forgot the third level of awareness or the fourth level of, you know, and she would do that, you know, that she'd just step out. I I just, I thought some of those interactions were pretty entertaining too. So aside from just the straight up action, I thought that was a pretty cool part of the movie. Yeah. So what the world really wants to know, Pat, is what did Tammy think? Tammy loved it. I mean, you know, you guys, I mean, you guys should fill in the gap too. She'd give her wife's, uh, take on it but yeah tammy i mean she's had the movie posters hanging up wonder woman shirts wonder woman crocs to wear around the house i mean she's been fired up for this movie um nice and she she's like yeah you got to tell the guys on the podcast i cried and i was like okay i'll tell them so yeah she was like she was really taken with the movie and and uh i mean uh was a big uh if she wasn't before she's now a pretty big uh gal how many how about gadot gadot yeah uh, that is the official pronunciation we've been getting. Yeah, she's uh, she's a pretty big fan, and um, she just—I mean, she was she was over there cheering and crying, and and you know, at all the at all the right times. So she thought it was pretty tough. In line with that question, John, what are you having a daughter? Mm-hmm. What do you think of the? female empowerment portion of this movie. Do you think this is something like, are you going to be able to show this to Nora in a few years and be like, Oh, I'm going to show it to Nora. This exists. Oh, I'm going to show it to her as soon as it comes out on Blu-ray. Okay. That was actually going to be one of my follow-up questions was there's a lot of violence in this, Mm -hmm. but it's still comic book violence. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. it's not gory. Right. It's it's violence without gore, which, you know, right. It's weird to say, like it makes it better. Or more appropriate, mm-hmm. but it kind of oh, totally does. You know what? I mean, Three Stooges—that's violence without gore, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, as soon as this comes out on video, in fact, I we were kind of going back and forth. And I was like, should we take her to the theater? And I, but I mean, there's still—I think there's still a few scenes that might be a little too intense for her. 
um, sure. to see it in the theater. And then, and we've kind of talked about that too. And, and, you know, we've talked to Nora about it and she's, she's been fine with that. We've just said, you know what, there are certain movies that they're rated PG 13 for a reason. And if, if you were closer, like if, it, if, if she was 10, you know, John's going to be 10 this year. Um, I took John to see guardians of the galaxy too. You know, a lot of times I mm-hmm. would, I'd maybe go see the movie first and then go with him. And at this point I'm like, you know what? He's 10. Um, we've seen a lot of these other movies at home. We've watched man of steel. We've watched Avengers. We've watched all this other stuff. I think it's probably going to be fine mm-hmm. now with her being six. That's a little different. And so we've said, you know what, we're, we're not necessarily going to go see this in the theater, but when it comes out on video, we'll watch it at home. So then if you've got any questions or if you want to stop at any point because something's kind of intense or a, a bad guy's kind of scary, we can totally pause the movie, take a minute, go do something else, and then we can come back to it. Um, and that's just kind of been our thing with, with her just at the age that she's at now mm-hmm. um, is, you know, after watching this movie, other than there being a few scenes that I think she might find a little scary – there's nothing in it that I would have a problem showing her. And I think she would really love the movie. And and I would be just as happy. I have to admit, I don't know if anyone's seen Dennis recently to ask him, but next time I see him, I want to ask him because, because autumn's a little older. I'm curious. Yeah. Like if, if that was a, a special thing for them to, to go see the movie was the, when we went to go see the movie, it was filled with families and like mothers and daughters and oh, I'm um, sure you know it, yeah there were not there were not not that they you know said that men couldn't show up but um, there were not <laughs> as many men in the theater as you might normally see for a comic book movie and I think there were several families there that it just maybe seemed like from conversations I overheard leaving the theater these were not necessarily comic book fans they just thought it was really awesome that there was finally a female-led superhero movie. And that's the reason they were there to go see it. So it's my experience, too. We went really early on a Sunday morning, so it was not a packed house. Yeah. But I did see a lot more of that than I'm used to seeing at, say, an Avengers movie right. or Iron Man or something of that nature. So I will, before I get to some of my last couple of questions I've got for us, I, I do want to jump back because this was mentioned at the very, very beginning that... Um, that maybe this is not my favorite DCEU movie. So I'll jump back into that real quick. Um, and I oh, think yeah. Je- Jeff, you and I, I think we talked about this a little bit a few days yeah. ago. Um, and I will, I will preface this by saying it, it is absolutely because of my bias that I am a huge, huge Superman fan that man of steel, at least as of right now, man of steel is still my favorite DCEU movie. And I think I think in the way that we've all reacted to this movie where we've said, we love these characters. I care about these characters. I, I care about them from start to finish. I feel the same way, even with all of its flaws. And I know it's got flaws. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to deny any of that. I feel the same way about man of steel. Like that's, it's, it's a very different Superman than the old Christopher Reeve ones, which I still, I love those to death. Um, but to me, man of steel I don't see a lot of the criticisms that people have of it. And I think a part of that is a huge bias on my part for being a big Superman fan. Mm-hmm. But for me, I still, if I were to go, if I were to put these movies right next to each other and say, okay, let me, let me look at characters, characters that I care about. 
do I care about the characters in Wonder Woman? Absolutely. These were they did an amazing job of writing these characters. The actors did an amazing job of, of acting them. Um, yes, characters love them in Wonder Woman. Man of Steel, same thing. I care about these characters. I think they did a great job of writing these characters. Are there times when I kind of wish they might have done the Clark Kent character a little different? Absolutely. But I really still love these characters. And then as I break it down into the different pieces of like how the movie was shot or how you know the action, action sequences look and whether this scene is longer than it should be or, or you know this one over here in Wonder Woman maybe longer than it should have been, I think pound for pound, I still lean towards Man of Steel. So, and I mean, that that's makes perfect but, sense. I think recently we've all talked about movies where uh, Jeff, I think, articulated better than I ever have last week when he said there are some movies that just get a pass because they're the movie that they are. Oh, yeah. Um, Superman is your superhero. Right. Like, if you had to pick one, oh, yeah. You're picking Superman. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I think we all have our superhero where it'd be really hard for us to downplay a movie that our superhero was in. <laughs> Batman, My, uh, Batman versus Superman. Full disclosure, mine is Batman. And yes, I agree. Batman versus Superman was mm-hmm. bad. And we can yeah. all downplay that. But right. every other Batman movie ever made, I love. Right. Not really because they're all great. Like I can even find redeeming qualities in Batman and Robin. So, uh, and you'd be wrong, just, but that's okay. Well, yes, <laughs> but, but that's the thing. Like, right. We, everyone latches on, at least I think, I mean, Jeff and Pat can jump in and tell me I'm crazy, but you're crazy. I think everyone latches on to a superhero at some point mm. in their youth. And, and changing that affiliation is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and that's, and I think that's what makes this such a good movie. What makes Wonder Woman such a good movie is knowing that Superman is my absolute favorite comic book hero of all time and always will be. When I look at these two movies, I can't even definitively say that, you know, I, I might have said this somewhere else. I can't definitively say that Man of Steel is number one and Wonder Woman is number two in terms of these movies. I, I have to say that Man of Steel is number one, and Wonder Woman is like a 1.2. It, it's not even... Ah. It's, it's really close, and that, I think, speaks to the quality of this a, movie. An amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Like, I, I think, will, I think I these movies... That I, Wonder Woman has become my new favorite superhero. Right. I'm always going to be a Superman guy. Yeah, but the movie is just I'll so awesome. always, always be a Superman guy. Yeah. I feel, though, that in terms of movie making... Wonder Woman was a better effort than Man of Steel. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I still, in terms of, in terms of the quality of the movie making, I, I, I love Wonder Woman, love Man of Steel. And I think what pulls, you know, I, I, like I said, I fully recognize that there are flaws with Man of Steel. I think what pulls that ahead slightly for me is, is absolutely that bias of that being my favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. But I think there are also things about the man of steel movie that when I go back and I watch that movie, I look at that and I compare it to like, we talked a lot about the fight scenes in this episode, um, fight scenes in man of steel versus the fight scenes in wonder woman. I like the fight scenes in man of steel better. Okay. No, and, and, and less slow motion, less, less, uh, the slow motion really to, uh, that just letting it happen. I don't know if that's just become a pet peeve for me, but the slow motion stuff really has taken me out of when I see that now in different movies, it really takes me out of the, of the action sequences. 
Yeah, I I know what they're trying to do, but it definitely makes you feel like you're in a kung fu movie. And when you're in a kung fu movie, that's fine. But mm-hmm. these aren't kung fu movies. Right. So let me ask you this. Um, so we kind of talked about, you know, this this was moved from World War II to World War One. A lot of people have asked, okay, well, we know where Diana ends up in modern day. She ends up fighting Doomsday at the end of Batman versus Superman and kind of revealing herself to the world. She shows up in World War II, World War One. Where was she in World War II? Um, I guess my follow-up question to that is, would you want that to be the subject of the next sequel to explain what was going on with her during that time. So we don't ask, why didn't she just show up and punch Hitler? Um, and let me follow that up with what would you want to see in a wonder woman sequel? I would not want uh, wonder woman two to deal with world war two. Okay. Because I do not want the character to become a wartime character. Right. Does it maybe need to take place during World War II, but not feature World War II to say, well, here's why she didn't intervene? I, I, I never had the question as to, you know, if she was there during World War I, why wasn't she there during World War II? Mm-hmm. That question never thought my mind, it crossed my mind until you asked it. Okay. So I don't necessarily need to know why she wasn't there. Um, you know, why didn't Captain America go find Hitler and punch Hitler in the head? He was working on it. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't need, I don't need that, nor do I, I, I don't want it to be the sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what I want out of the sequel. I know that I don't want to try to explain why she wasn't involved in world war two in a way that could have ended the conflict, nor do I necessarily know that I want it to have anything to do with, 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 with war. Mm -hmm. Again, it doesn't have to be, I don't want her to be a wartime hero. Yeah. So we're not, we're going things going on that she could get herself involved in. Right. So is there, and I know we've kind of said we're not necessarily Wonder Woman comic book experts, so we may not be as familiar with her list of villains that they could pull from for any of these other sequels. Um, Is there something, is there a topic or is there a particular villain, if you know of a Wonder Woman villain, that you would want to see in the next movie? Hmm. So oh, what she, do you guys think? So yeah, if, she's, if, she's not dealing, not, if she's not dealing with war, is there something else that would be good for her to deal with? I guess I'm not as opposed to her being involved in another war only because I sort of look at it from the Captain America standpoint. But maybe that's just because she was involved in this one that it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know enough about the villains she's involved with to know what more we're going to see from her in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a just what little I know because I haven't really read a whole lot of Wonder Woman. Um, I usually stick to Batman, Superman, some of the other stuff, but um, I do know of, of like her top villains lately. Um, Cheetah has always been one of her big villains. Um, 
you know, and that's a character that she basically looks like a half cheetah, half woman kind of thing. Um, and she's part of this cult, or at least she at one point in time was part of this cult that was kind of working on opposing Wonder Woman and, and taking over part of the world and, and whatnot. So, I mean, that would be one. I don't know if I'd say Cheetah is like her Lex Luthor or her Joker or something like that, but I, it's probably one of her most recognizable villains. Um, but then I don't know if you go from the God of War to Cheetah, is that a step down in terms of your quality of your villain or your the power level of your villain? Or I don't know. Maybe they need to do more with the uh, with the Greek gods part of the story. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking, like, what if there's a conflict with the Amazons that she has to try to resolve and earn her way back to her to the Amazon society? Yeah. There was a story, and I did not read it. There was a story called War of the Amazons, which apparently was pretty popular in the comics. So, could be that we see... Something happens to her mother, and, and you know, Diana is the next in line to be the queen of the Amazon. Right. However, because she had left the society to go with Steve, someone else steps up and says, no, she doesn't have the right. I'm going to be the one in charge, and it's about her trying to maybe convince the Amazons that it's okay to communicate with other civilizations and, you know, she should still be allowed to be in charge. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't necessarily want to, I don't want to see it be a, a wartime setting. Pat, do you have any preferences on uh, what a sequel should tackle? You know, it's it's interesting. I I agree with what Jeff is saying that uh, w- when you brought that question up, I didn't really. Um, what's the phrase you always use, Jeff? Uh, bump. I didn't always. I didn't bump on the. Oh, what was she doing during World War II? So I agree with you on that. That it 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 wouldn't need to be in there. However, then as as I heard you guys talk, and I got thinking like, well, okay, so she's been in Bivis Dodge. Okay, so she's going to be in the Justice League. Okay, that's going to be the one that's set in modern times fighting like weird aliens that shoot laser beams out their eyes and everything like that. So if she all gets, I asked for was laser beams. Yeah, just sharks with laser beams. That's all I asked for. So if she gets her own movie um, separate from Justice League, is it going to be like the same kind of stuff, but, you know, just with only her? And it's sort of like, okay, show me something different kind of a thing. Um, and then so I kind of bounce back to, well, I don't know. I, I think a, like a World War II era movie, I think that could be pretty cool. And then there could be like the dimension of, okay, why didn't she just go punch Hitler? Okay, well, what about, you know, just trying to stop war on all sides? And, and her whole thing was about peace. And there could be an element of, you know, kind of what we were hoping to see in Star Wars with the Revenge of the Sith where the Jedi weren't warriors, they were keepers of the peace. And that would have been fun to see that explored a little bit more. Well, you know, may, maybe we could see her struggle with that. Okay, she's not supposed to be just this fearsome warrior. She's trying to keep the peace. And there was this, obviously, if World War II happened, there was this epic failure. Or was it a failure? Is this just human nature and blah, blah, and so on and so forth? And then I get thinking like, okay, well, is that going to get too deep for a fun comic book movie to, you know, make her exploring 
you know, trying to stop war and peace and all that kind of stuff. But then I fall back to, okay, but it would be, it would be a counterpunch to the, the, the group movies, the Justice League movies, where they're set in modern times. And, you know, she's a little bit more aware of the world that she lives in. So I don't know. Those are kind of the things that I'm thinking about. I'm really glad that no one's hiring me to write the movie and uh, that because I, I don't know which direction I would go. So I, I, you know, I don't know. And then I go back to two, you know, a lot of people fought and died in these wars. Are we, are we maybe not treating that with the appropriate reverence by um, putting them into a comic book movie? But then I think, well, come on now, Indiana Jones, The Rocketeer, all that. I mean, those were awesome movies, and they were fighting Nazis all the time. So I think if it's done right, it could be cool. So right. The Rock who? The Rock. Don't, don't you read the papers? Don't you read the papers. I've been working. So anyways, I'll stop rambling, but I guess that's where I'm at with the sequel to Wonder Woman. I, I don't need it to be set in World War II, but I think just from a contrasting standpoint, I think that could be pretty cool as opposed to just, okay, here we are in the modern world just without Superman and Batman and and Aquaman and all that. It's the Wonder Woman movie and she's going to be fighting whatever. I think this could be, you know, pretty, pretty cool. Or, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm going with the Star Wars reverence. Maybe, like Jeff, she, you mentioned she goes back to get back into the Amazon society and part of the requirement is her staying away from the human world while World War II goes on. And maybe it's her absence that lets that happen. And so then she has to, you know, maybe she comes in at the last minute to kind of help end the war. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think those are all, those are all pretty good ideas. I, I'd be happy. I mean, you know what? I'm just going to be happy that they're already talking about a Wonder Woman sequel. Yeah. That I kind of agree. This like, isn't a, you know, it's a, more of that. Yeah. I mean, I heard Patty Jenkins has already signed on to direct the sequel as well. I, I heard that, and I heard that Gal Gadot had she had signed on to do three movies. I think originally, so it would have been Batman versus Superman, this one, and Justice League. And apparently, after the successful opening of this one, she has now extended her contract. So I don't know what that means. I don't know how many movies they got extended by, but um, apparently, they're already talking about she's very happy to continue doing several other appearances as Wonder Woman. Nice. Cool. Which is totally fine because I thought she did a great job. She was awesome. Um, interesting thing about that, and I'll, I'll say this before we jump into my last question, which is kind of unrelated to Wonder Woman, but related to some of the other stuff we've been talking to. Uh, Patty Jenkins said that when she first heard about the casting of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, she's like, oh, that's a bad choice. She's like, that, that's not the person, like, that's not the person I would have had. And then she said, I saw her in Batman vs. Superman, and she said, like, that was my favorite thing about that movie, and that she was perfect. She's like, I... It was will. a lot of people's favorite thing about that movie. Well, I know. Um, and she said, you know what, I will be the first to admit I was absolutely wrong. She is perfect for Wonder Woman. It's true, she is. Yep. It was funny the when we were when we saw it in the theater and I had sitting on the other side of me were a family and two probably high school middle school high school age girls and I was glad that they weren't on their phones and talking the entire time because that's how the trailers started um, <laughs> and uh, but it was funny was when little girl when like little eight year old Diana shows up um, they're sitting over there like oh she's so cute. 
And then it jumps forward to like 12 year old or 14 year old Diana. And it's like, Oh, she's, she's still cute there too. She's just so cute. And then, you know, jumps forward to Diana as an adult. And you get those scenes where like, she has this look on her face where she just looks like so innocent. And she's like, I don't understand why the world is this way. And they were like, Oh, she's even cute as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I did. They, they cast absolutely the right person. I think she just did a great job with it. All right, so here's my last question. Last question, well, not necessarily. Well, before yeah. you deter us from yeah, go for it. Wonder Woman, um, something that Katie and I talked about after we saw the movie was trying to sell Sir Patrick as being Ares. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I'm, I don't, and I think maybe that was part of my problem with the movie is that I didn't quite buy that he was Aries. Yeah. I would like to have seen something more from the character or from the, from the creators of the movie to indicate his influence in wartime. Right. I, I agree with you because I remember past conflict. I remember when the, um, what was his name? Ludendorff. I remember mm-hmm. when he died and then I was like, well, nothing happened. So that means he's not the one. And then I kind of feel like when, when Sir Patrick shows up, I kind of feel like, and, and again, I didn't write the movie. Like Pat says, I didn't write the movie. Nobody's paying me to write the movie, but I feel like when he shows up and you're like, oh, he's Aries. It almost felt like the writers were like, okay, cool. We've killed the guy that everybody thought was Ares. Now let's pick another person that was in this movie and let's just have that person be Ares. Right. Like, yeah, it, just, it, it felt like there was a disconnect. Yeah. Oh, see, I, I thought it was kind of cool. I totally guessed. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Bo, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut across you. No, you're fine. Go ahead. No, I guessed wrong when they were at the party um, and they came walking in when she was wearing the blue dress and everything like that. Which I also want to say, speaking of favorite scenes, when that woman's, when they're waiting in line and she's trying to get the dress and all of a sudden she's like looking at her, like trying to size her up, yeah. you know, and kind of, but just has that innocent look on her face, just with that smirk. And you're just like, Oh, I know what's coming next. And then the next thing you see is her walking with the dress. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that scene. But when she goes walking in and then, and then, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk was sitting there talking to, uh, to the to the to the Phantom of the Opera chick. Yeah, Doctor Maru. Okay, yeah, Doctor. Yeah, um, he was sitting there talking to her. All of a sudden, I looked at Tammy, and I'm just like, I just said, "Oh my gosh, Ludendorff is not Aries. She's got it wrong. I bet you, I bet you, Doctor Poison is Aries." And then I was like, "Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe it." Lund- I called it at that point, but I called ta- I called it completely wrong. But at that point, I'm just like, "Dude, you know what? I don't think Ludendorff is it." I thought. I thought um, uh, I thought it was going to be uh, Doctor Poison, which Jeff, I know that uh, you mentioned earlier, you were glad it wasn't because you didn't want it to be just like only females taking the lead things and all that. Mm-hmm. So when when uh, um, when it ended up being the other, when it ended up being Remus Lupin, um, I, I, I thought yes. I thought that was I thought that was pretty exciting because like I totally didn't expect that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I just I thought they they didn't quite. For my, for my liking, they didn't quite sell it. Okay. And, you know, again, had they done more to at least, or maybe have him taken another 30 seconds, 45 seconds of dialogue and right. explain 
how he's intervened in um, in uh, in history, in you know, a lifetime's worth of conflict mm-hmm. before he starts talking about how he's intervened in this particular conflict. You know, that yeah. could have done more to help. I think helps. Yeah. Um, and and you know, because he talks about how he's always you know he's there giving suggestion, right? Mm-hmm. And something that I thought they could have done to help sell that a little bit more was, uh, so when he says that, and it flashes back and you see him kind of walk behind uh, Dr. Maru, mm-hmm. or Dr. Maru, however you say that, and, you know, and she all of a sudden she just reaches, she picks up a vial of something, supposedly, you know, under his influence, under his suggestion, by his suggestion, you know, she determined that's what she needed to add. Earlier in the movie, you see her grab, like, you know, a, a sheet of paper that looked like it might have been trash at one point. Yeah. And also, you know, at that point in the movie, that's when it clicked for her, like, this is what I need to make it work. If during um, Sir Patrick's explanation, they cut back to that scene and this time have him walking behind her right before she picks up that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. That I think that could have been a stronger sell as well. Instead of cutting back to him, just walking through one day when she's working in the lab. Yeah. You know, go back to that specific moment when she realized what she could do to make it work and then show him you know, giving her that suggestion, indicating that he helped her at that moment. I, I don't know. I, I think that could have been a little bit stronger way to to do that. I just i I didn't buy it as much as as I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. I guess I was I was I was just taken up with the whole thing. I guess the 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 premise or whatever he was saying, where he, his whole thing was. I really don't need to do that much. Humankind is going to try and kill each other. It's in their nature. I just need to kind of like, and they'll take care of the rest. I guess I was, I was kind of caught up with that whole thing that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't break it down to the specifics, you know, of how he intervened through all these points in history. Well, kind of how I took it too, that the reason he was where he was is because he felt that the easiest way for him to influence wasn't to be there with the rabble rousers causing the conflict. It was better for him to be on the other side, being the one to appeasement where we would just slowly give things away because he could then cause the conflict more from the other side. Which is great in terms of storytelling, but then do more to maybe show how he had that influence again historically hmm. well they, maybe that's something they're saving for the sequel because you got to figure he's not gone gone yeah true I mean, it, well i don't know yeah, it's a comic books movie nobody ever dies Ex- well that's, exactly that's kind of my point like, hey, hmm. you know. well, does that mean doomsday's coming back no i, I gotta say the one that, that wasn't that wasn't doomsday I'll, I'll go ahead and say that that wasn't doomsday I, I, 
I want to say that the almost I almost laughed out loud is when Ares and Wonder Woman are facing off, and he just whips out like they're in the big ring of fire, and he whips back like, like out of nowhere and pulls Doctor Poison out of like nowhere, and it just shows how like weak and insignificant she is because he's like this one whap whap, and all of a sudden she just comes flying out of nowhere like looking all disheveled and shooking up. And I'm just like, dude, where did, where did he, where did she come from? I don't know if anyone else got that, but I, and I'm not saying it was a bad thing, but it just kind of showed how insignificant she was as these like, kind of like people were fighting that, that, that kind of cracked me up. I, I laughed at her. I'm just going to say that was another favorite scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's, here's, a, do we have anything else we want to say about Wonder Woman before I jump into this last Jump away. Last little bit? Okay. So here's my last question. Not necessarily Wonder Woman related, but um, now that we kind of have gone through all the excuses of of people saying, you can't do that in a comic book movie, or you can't do this, we've now had a movie with a talking tree and a raccoon. We've now had Wonder Woman as the lead in her own movie, and it has done fantastically. Um, What is the next female-led superhero movie that you are interested to see or that you would like to hear announced? Hmm. Cause we've got a few that have been announced. Like there's a Batgirl that's been announced. There is a, um, Captain Marvel that's been announced over on the Marvel side of things. Um, yeah, there's uh, the Gotham city sirens has been announced. Is there one that hasn't been mentioned yet that you would be interested to see, or is there one that you're one of these that's been announced that you're looking forward to? I'm definitely looking forward to Batgirl. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that'd be fantastic. I think that's at the top of my list. One of the ones at the top of my list too. Yeah. I just, I, I'm trying to think of, you know, is other uh, female superheroes that could have the, the weight enough to carry their own film. Red Sonia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's at the top of my list too. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, not as not being as immersed in the superhero um, realm as you guys can be sometimes. I guess if I was looking for something that I'd love to go deeper into Batman. Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier that Batman was was like my favorite superhero. I'd love to get to the point where we were deep enough in the comics to explore some of the Nightwing stuff mm-hmm. and some of the post-Robin stuff. Which um, I know, I think they've been talking about doing a Nightwing movie. Yeah, they've talked about so. it, but I, I think they're having trouble getting there because they yeah. feel like they're going to have to make a bridge to get there. Which, which I think is what I would like about a Batgirl movie is one of the right. things where, where sometimes Nightwing appealed to me more than Batman did even mm-hmm. was that it was a Batman that could have fun. Mm-hmm, and it's right. like, I I'm fine with the dark brooding Batman, but every once in a while you need a little bit of a palate cleanser and you need somebody who's like a Batman, but that can have fun with it. And that's what mm-hmm. I always liked about the character. Uh, of Nightwing. A black canary movie. Hmm. Yeah. Do, do you think black canary could carry a movie or do you think it would have more of a, uh, like an ensemble type 
I, thing. You know what? I think I think based on what we talked about at the very beginning of this episode, the, the whole Hawk Black Man and Hawk Girl. Right. The whole Black Panther trailer, you know, that we talked about at the very beginning, that tells me that if you write a movie well, it doesn't matter who the character is, I, I think it would be totally fine. So if they decided that they want to go the route of doing a Black Canary movie, as long as you write that thing well, absolutely. I think at this point, when people have seen that Wonder Woman did well, then I think I think you could pretty much do whatever you want as long as you've paid attention to the characters and you focused more on character than you did on, hey, wow, look at this. Look at what we can do. Then absolutely. I, it would, she wouldn't be my first choice, but yeah, if they could do that movie as well as they did Wonder Woman, I would totally go see a Black Canary movie. You know, I was trying to think of any others. I mean, I, I, I joked about Red Sonja, but I would like to see an actual like a remake, a redoing of the Red Sonja story because the comics are really good. You know, you didn't necessarily care for the movie, but the comics are pretty good. So I would, if they could lift the story from the comics and if they wanted to do that, I would be totally good with that. Um, the other one that I'd be interested to see, although she's more, she's more part of a team, she's the leader of the team, but um, another character is um, a character called Caitlin Fairchild. I don't know if you ever read, Jeff, I don't know if you ever read Gen 13 back when that was out. Like uh, no, I did not. Mid-90s is probably when it came out. That was probably one of my favorite comics, but it was kind of like a, it was like an X-Men team, but the, the teenagers on the team were a little bit more, I think by the nineties, all the X-Men were adults. And when this came out, like these were kids and these were kids still kind of acting like teenagers and acting like kids. So to me, it was more interesting because they were supposedly the same age I was at the time I was reading it. Um, and I always liked those. I liked the, the first few years of that comic coming out. So I'd be interested to see some of those characters. Caitlin uh, Fairchild was the leader of the team, um, and she was a fairly strong character. So I, I'd be totally fine with seeing a movie. She was in charge of the whole thing. But I think Batgirl. I think if I had to, if I had to narrow it down to one, I think I'd say Batgirl because I think it'd be interesting to see the Batman universe from the eyes of someone who can have fun in it. Yeah. Hmm. Guys. I'm going to say this and then I want you to like delete it because I don't want to give anybody any ideas, <laughs> but the one I want to see, and it's the one that can never be made because I think it would ruin a work of art. I want to see a Laura Howlett movie, but they can never do it because I think it would ruin it. But I would, I would want to see, I would love to, I would love to see like what happens after she gets those kids across, you know, after they get over the border I, I mean, does she become a loner and just kind of wander around? I, I mean, you could even, you know, comic books going to movies. I know this, this would totally fly in the face of, you know, history, but I mean, you could, you could explore any one of those old Wolverine comics when he was out on his own, um, like the Bloodlust comic or whatever, but with her, I would love to see those movies. But I, I, I just, I have no faith that it could, it could be made without ruining the originals. So I don't want to give anyone a bad idea, but I would love to see more of the X-20 for, of, of Laura Howlett. I can agree with that. That'd be cool. I'm in. Yeah. You know, and you have her as like now like preteen or just becoming a teenager. You could have her as a teenager. You could have her, I mean, and that actress, I mean, I mean, heck, just make make a make an X twenty three movie every five years. You, you know, you won't get or every I don't know once now and then once in ten years and then you're done. Bam, and you know, you could use the same actress and 
and, and all that. But like I said, that, that would be the one that I would love to see with a female lead. All right. Well, is that they're going to do it? We have anything else we want to say about wonder woman or awesome. Like we said, it, it is awesome. Let's do it again. If you have not seen wonder woman yet, spin around a few times and then go to the theater and see it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you're dizzy, like wait a minute, but then go to the theater and see it. <laughs> Uh, which actually there's a really great, there's a, uh, animated, I hate calling them GIFs. I know they said they're supposed to be called GIFs now. I still call them GIFs. Um, there's an animated GIF and I'm going to say it that way. Um, where Gal Gadot is spinning around like she, it's in between takes on the movie set and she's just like smiling and spinning around like Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. And it's, it's just hilarious. That's awesome. Oh. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our Wonder Woman episode. Um, if you want to find us, we are, all of these are three zero and the word podcast. So 30 podcast at gmail.com, 30 podcast.com at 30 podcast on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash 30 podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, Satchel, Google play, iTunes, and directly from our website, 30 podcast.com. Our next episode is going to be coming up in just a couple of days. Uh, we're going to release this one pretty much as soon as we've recorded it. And then here in a couple of days, we're going to be doing evil dead Two. So that one will be coming up next. Uh, and then if you're looking ahead for the rest of the month, we are then going to be doing monster squad and finally the running man. So that's what's coming up soon. Um, in the meantime, thank you, Bo. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. And thank you, Patrick. Thank you, John. And thank you, Gal Gadot. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Great movie. And Patty Jenkins. Thank you, Patty Jenkins. Yeah, thank you, Patty Jenkins. Nice yeah. job. Yeah, we, we are really looking forward to Wonder Woman 2. All right. In the meantime, be excellent to each other. And remember, it's love. It's not war that's going to change the world. Okay, so be excellent to each other. And go watch some good movies. In fact, go watch this one again. Even if you've seen it, go watch it again. And then go watch some other good movies, too. All right. We will see you all next time.